You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my God! Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it! Players, coaches, insiders. And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy Duddies! Now, here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. Horsing around on the bye week. Maybe a bye week for the Broncos, not a bye week for us. I'm Andrew Mason at DenverBroncos.com and Orange and Blue 760. Joined at Hofbrau in Westminster, where Orange and Blue 760 broadcasts every Thursday from 3 to 6 p.m. by Andy Lindahl. How are you, my friend? Besides full. Getting by. How about you? Getting by. <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it, look, let's, uh, I don't know. It's been an interesting week, shall we say. I don't, you know, and I know you've probably got places you want to go, but I guess I'll just jump right in because, you know, I'm going to hijack you. I'm going to take the wheel as you try to drive and who knows, maybe yank us down into the cavern, into the uh, canyon, like Toots is the cat once did on Saturday Night Live. But, um, you know, it's I, I'm in a weird mood. I won't lie to you, Andrew Mason, because I have dealt all week between Mike Kliss, Tyler Plumbus, just guys that we work with. Mm-hmm. As we hit the halfway, you know, game past it, Mark, we get the bye week. This, for me, is kind of the halfway point, even though I know, again, we're a game past. Yeah. The, the amount of, and I realize that a playoff berth for our beloved Denver Broncos is not likely in the offing, but the amount of people that seem to want to just write it off, that, that you know you somehow can't find a way to get a spark and turn this into something, has been a little bit shocking to me this week. You got the, you, you've got three games here. Now, you know, we'll see what we're talking about in December, and I'm not telling you that I expect it, but I'm also a little taken back by how many people that are just so resistant to the idea that you couldn't get a little something going over the next three games. I think people have been... I don't want to use the, the word traumatized, but I think it might be apt, at least in a football fan sense. I think Broncos fans are a little bit traumatized by the fact that this 3-6 and six start comes on the heels of last year's 5-11 and 11, that also included a 3-6 and six record after nine games. If you make even a cursory dive into the nitty-gritty of what the Broncos have done this year, clearly this is a better team one that could be capable of getting on a run, that you'd look at the close losses and say, oh, maybe a little bit of bad luck here, bad bounce there, missed field goal here, etc. Little things. But I think if this season had happened, say, after 2016, you know, a season with some close losses, I don't think it would be the same reaction. It's coming off of a 5-11 gear that saw a lot of blowouts. And I think because of that, there isn't room for nuance in saying, yeah, the record is the same, but this team is clearly better. I don't think a lot of people have space for that right now. Yeah, and and look, I'm not sitting here ignorant. You know, like Mike Kliss was flat out almost offended. Like, really, you're going to try to tell me that they can be in a wild card run? I'm not really trying to tell you that. But I'm also, there's just a part of me that we are two weeks away from Thanksgiving. 
Yes. You've got three games in front of you against teams that are all in the wild card conversation. I ultimately am kind of getting the feeling that maybe Pittsburgh takes that division, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you you could. I, I guess there's just a part of me that has a fundamental problem when you've got three games that you could win. You could win mm-hmm. with the way, as you said, the team has played. They've battled in every game. Now, the loss of Matt Paradis, we'll have to ultimately see how that kind of plays out, how huge that becomes. But, Andrew, a lot of I could also make a case to you that a lot of the toughest part of your schedule is behind you still. Now, Certainly the three toughest games. Now Chiefs, you Chiefs, make, Rams. you got to make the next three count, right? And, and, look, I'm not telling you that by the end of December we won't truly know what this is, but mm-hmm. but am I am – I, why am I so nuts for, for saying that you could still salvage something if you get the next three games right? I don't think you're nuts, but you just said if you get the next three games right. And that's yeah. where And look, that's where it's tough. And one thing that I've said on Orange and Blue 760 is this team, yeah, it probably has to go 7-0. and At worst, 6-1. and but even then, nine and seven—that's a sub fifty percent chance of the postseason anyway. And the thing I come back to in my mind is, if this team is going to do that, it has to make a one hundred eighty degree pivot immediately. Basically, not just from the first half of the season. I'm talking from really from week twelve of twenty sixteen on, and if you include another game in that before that by. You're talking about a 32-game stretch when the Broncos are 11-21. and 21. That's what you're fighting. You have to go from two seasons of basically 5-11, and 6-10 ball to suddenly going 6-1 and one or 7-0. and oh. And that's where it's tough to conceive of the turnaround being that immediate, especially with, like you mentioned, the injuries on the offensive line. I'm with you. I guess, you know, there's a part of me that wonders, though, could you gut out a win in San Diego? Could you gut out? And again, not a pretty win, but could you just get by? Because you nearly got by one in Kansas City. You nearly got by mm-hmm. one. You should have got one against the Texans. Um, now, look, at the same time, I will also admit to everybody fully, because I'm not telling anybody to necessarily keep the playoff fires burning or planning on going off and getting a playoff you know, berth in January. But I got to tell you, there is just something that bugs me about saying in early November this thing's done when we just don't damn well know. And it just it irritates me. And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, like Tyler's like, I'm going to be the analyst, you be the fan. And I get that, but there's just something in my core that says, I, I, look, I kind of know the outcome, but let's go fight anyway. Because I'm asking you this, Andrew. Don't give up until it's done. Well, yeah, yeah, just show me that it's out somehow because you know what? Otherwise, why the hell are we showing up after the bye again? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I tried to pin Tyler down to. You tell me then why as fans, frankly, as fans, why should we show up and buy in if it's that set in stone? That that This is all the things that bother me right now. Well, It's what I don't like about this week, this damn resignation. That is, Yeah, look, likely, like I said, I, I get it. It's unlikely we're doing anything playoff-wise in January. But for God's sake, let's just sh- can we not show up and hope? I'm with you. Now, granted, I have a little bit of a different perspective because I did not grow up cheering for a winning football team in my backyard. Three and six for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the mid to late 80s and on through the mid-90s, that was a pretty typical mark. 
and I would be sitting there trying to find ways they could get back into it. Okay, three and six, but you do this, do this, do this. So I was clinging to what hope I could find. Broncos fans, I think, again, they haven't been through much of this. The reaction the last two years, frankly, I've been a bit disappointed in a lot of fans, to be honest with you. Oh, hey, well, but, and you know what's so funny? You and James both, and this is not a shot at you guys. This is, a, I think this is a true statement because I have a lot of these conversations and James Gomez and I have had these conversations over the last two, three weeks, three weeks as we get ready for a show where James has said the same thing. He's like, you ought to try being a Tampa fan. He goes, I laugh at you guys a little bit because you, you are so spoiled. And he's not trying to be a jerk about it, but he's just like, this is what the other side of the tracks feels like. Mm-hmm. We don't have the Hall of Fame quarterback there all the time like you've had in Elway and a Manning. Uh, this is kind of what it feels like. So I think you and James share a very same unique perspective yes. on why we as Bronco fans maybe are spoiled brats sometimes. But, but you know, Andrew, the, the whole... Let me just put it to you this way, too, because, look, my job is not to just sit here and be the fan of the station or the fan of the website or the fan of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I realize I've, I, I've been very open about my allegiance to this franchise since my youth. There's a part of me also that just doesn't believe you quit fighting till the fight is not there to be had anymore. And I'm sorry, with seven games left, hey, you and I went through the Tebow year. I couldn't mm-hmm. explain how the Tebow year turned its, itself around. Now, is that in the offing? No, I don't know that it is. But I'm just saying, when we look at this squad, when you break it down, if you just play a little bit cleaner football, which I know everyone's been rolling their eyes at when Vance Joseph says it, but but there is truth to it. If you just play a little bit cleaner, this mm-hmm. is a better team than last year. You and I both knew darn well by this time last year, and I think some of the fans didn't accept it, that this thing was a this thing was a burning mess. There was no resolving it. There was no quarterback switch that was going to save it. There was no simple personnel move that was going to turn the dang thing around. But you look at this team this year, they fought. They've had their moments. I mean, why, you know, why couldn't they get a couple gritty wins? Why have we all written off and said there's no chance of them getting gritty wins in the next three games? And that's what irritates me right now. That's what's got me bugged. That's what's got me sitting down in this unusual mood with you. Yeah. You can get a gritty win against the Chargers in L.A. I'm convinced of that, especially if they don't have Joey Bosa. And if they, even if they have Joey Bosa, it might be his first game back and he wouldn't be all the way back or even close to it. I think there's an opening for the Broncos to win in L.A. in what is, if not a quasi-home game, certainly a neutral site game. Yeah. Based on how many if Broncos shows up at all. will be there. <laughs> if we could force any... Los yes. Angelinians or whatever the hell they're called. Los Angelinos or just Southern Californians. Los Angelicans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Los Angelinos. Of the next three games, I actually think the toughest one is the home game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're they're catching fire like and, they tend to do. And I don't know that the Broncos have enough depth at cornerback to be able to match up with all the Steelers can throw because, yeah, you can put Chris Harris Jr. on Antonio Brown. And Brown might make some plays, but you can keep him below his normal output. But then what are you doing against Juju Smith-Schuster? It gets problematic. And Roethlisberger will, will you know, go you know, three and four deep into his targets. They have, obviously, the running game with James Conner. 
making sure they don't miss Le'Veon Bell. They could have Le'Veon Bell back by then to supplement Connor. That one of these games, that looks like the one that is least likely to go in the Broncos' column. The other thing with the Broncos, this is a Sunday road game in L.A. next week, and we'll talk more about that when we go horsing around after the bye. But I said on the air Thursday, you guys show me that you can win a Sunday road game because for whatever reason, they haven't done it in nearly two years. So let me ask you this then, because you throw out some of the matchup things. I was talking to one of my buddies this week, so it's not necessarily my unique thought. Why, why not try? Because you know what? When you've got the big receiver, and I don't know that Juju Smith-Schuster is that. Maybe this is the wrong fit for that. Why not try a little more single coverage with Justin Simmons? Why not let him be one of your answers for the big time? You know, why not put Bradley Roby at safety for a little bit? Why not Why not try switching some things up just to see what we can get in the mix a little bit? Because yeah. you know what? As someone broke it down for me, and I love Justin Simmons. I still love Justin Simmons. Still love the potential very much. But I had a buddy that's an analyst tell me his eyes are his eyes are betraying him sometimes. He's seeing some things like the Pac-Man Jones where Pac-Man Jones is upset because DeAndre uh-huh. Hopkins caught the touchdown. I'd asked two friends. Tyler Palumbus told me on the sideline side and another buddy that had the, the bird's eye view of it. He said what happened was a, a, a the crossing shallow crossing route flashed. Justin saw that. Justin jumped it. I think Justin even admitted it in the locker he room. He was he supposed did. to say deep. He thought he still had the deepest receiver. Mm-hmm. He, he allowed the sink that that little eye candy as it was put to me. The window dressing up short got him to jump. That's what got him out of his spot. That's what led that thing to be open. I'll tell you what though. With his body size, with his matchup, with his athleticism, why not try to let him be the Akeem Talib matchup for some of these guys that we're going to be seeing down the stretch? It couldn't hurt. Is that is I mean, is that so ridiculous? Because to your point, look, there's some things that have got to go. They have to be done differently anyway. So why the heck not try some new stuff? And you'll get healthy at safety out of the bye because you figure you'll have Darian Stewart back. Well, and Sewer Cravens, Sewer Cravens I thought had quite the debut. I thought he did very well. You and I were begging for something to happen in that nickel formation yes. to stop the run. I thought Sewer Cravens was the answer. Yeah, Cravens. Look like he could be the guy. Now the question is, can he stay healthy? But right now, he is. So you're deeper at safety than you are at corner, and you have a safety who can handle some inside corner things. That could be the best play here. Let me ask you this, too. With your expert palate, your (laughs) sense for the finer things. Like Grey Poupon, I had some on a burger this week. What is that aroma that we've got going on in here. Have you been catching it here? It's not so strong at this very moment that I've asked you the question. I'm is not sure. Is it a sure. bacon? Is it an applewood bacon? What might it be as we sit at the Hofbrau up in Westminster? Bacon. I feel like we're having an exchange from Wayne's World. I smell bacon. Does anyone else smell bacon? I definitely smell a pork product of some type. That <laughs> bacon? I, I still smell the There resident. it is. There it is. Take it in. Take it in. Smell it. It's a little bacony. I smell some lingering French dip sandwich that I had before you arrived. It's a good French dip. It's now, a very did you good. get the mushrooms added to it? No. There's some things you have to do. I've got to show you the way. I'm my not friend. a mushroom guy. My wife will sneak in into stuff, but I can't just sit there, look at a bunch of mushrooms and say, oh, I want this. If I look at a bunch of mushrooms on a sandwich, I'm scraping them off. Are you a Miami Sound Machine guy? Not particularly, no. That's so this song won't make you dance? I'm not going to see a little you're not hip gonna, shaking from you? You're not going to see me do the conga? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> hey, real quickly, I got to go get on the air as we're recording this. I don't know what else to do, but be flat out honest about well, that. But real quick, I want to yeah. ask you yeah. something. I want to ask you a question. All right. I am so disappointed. You brought up the Joey Bosa, so it goes two ways. Yeah. Um, because we're going to see Joey Bosa, they're going to see Sua Cravens. Why? Why in the NFL next year? Why couldn't they? I think there needs to be a rule that you play all three of your division teams the first eight games, mm-hmm. and three of your the other three the second eight games. Because to me, I think it's a travesty. I think it's almost not fair to the division competition that the Broncos have somehow wrapped up the Chiefs and played four games against the Chiefs since last playing the Chargers. Or I think it's a joke. Or if not that, find a way to say, okay, you're not going to wrap up any divisional opponent before you see another team at all. So, yeah, maybe you could play the Chiefs twice in the first eight games, but you would have at least, but you would at least – seen everybody in the division by that point. Right, because to me, now, I mean, you know how badly I wish we could play the Chiefs with Sua Cravens? And all, if you mm-hmm. just would have flipped the date between the Chargers mm-hmm. and Chiefs, we might have missed at least one meeting with Bosa, depending on what happens coming out of the bye. But it looks like he's making his way towards getting back. And like we talked about, a lot of what the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt is mm-hmm. spread us out and try to run the football. And if we would just had Sua Cravens, that could have changed the way some of those games gone. I just think it's stupid that we played two games against the Chiefs without playing one game against the Chargers. I'm sorry. I've been grumpy today. I apologize to you, Andrew. It'll be better next week. I feel you. But I got to say this. I love what you're saying. But there are so many variables that they have to do on the schedule, I'm not sure that's going to be something that is possible. But I like what you're suggesting. I'm intrigued, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. One quick question before we go. How many games do you expect the Broncos to win the rest of the way? Seven games left? I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, San Diego, or San Diego, I cannot quit saying that. The Chargers is a critical game. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to call them L.A. because L.A. doesn't even think they're L.A. clearly by the attendance. So, call them Carson. Um, yeah, the Carson Chargers. It's but got alliteration. The CC Chargers. Anyway, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I think if you can get if you can get the Charger game, I could see you getting three to four the next game. If mm-hmm. you don't get the Charger game and it's ugly like it was there last year, I think we're in for a rough haul the second half of the season, which could mean two wins tops. Uh, yeah, I'll I say. I think it's very yeah. pivotal. Win the Chargers game, I think you can win five or six of the last seven. Lose the Chargers game, I think you're looking at three. Because technically the schedule's easier in December, but you got to survive November. Yep. And November's not easy. And they're out of mulligans. You've got to win these next three and then talk about what's later. Andy, appreciate it. Coming up next, the great, the ring of famer, Rod Smith, coming at you. We head out to the Highline and bring on a good friend of the program, Rod Smith, at the real Rod Smith on Twitter. Y'all know him, and uh, we always look forward to a chance to chat with the Broncos Ring of Famer. Rod, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? Rod, Rod, what up? What up? It's freaking cold. <laughs> it's freaking cold. No, it's good. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. Doing great. Hey, I, I, before we get uh, too deep into this, I just wanted to uh, say how much I, I appreciated uh, the interview that you did on Monday night uh, along with uh, Ray Crockett uh, with Demarius Thomas. It was, it was really, really good, really captivating stuff. Uh, and I, I want, kind of wanted to ask you, what were some of the takeaways you had out of it? Um, actually, there's a lot of takeaways. Um, a lot of times, you know, most of the fans, uh, the, the, the people that are not in the locker room, they don't see the the, the it's a, honestly it's a mental game that's going on behind the scenes as well that a lot of people don't understand and and so uh, one of the things I, I, I kind of took away from it is 
you know, some of the little the little indirect conversations that the, the Bears had in the last few weeks, they really didn't sit well with him, and it bothered him, and it really, really hit him to the core. And sometimes, uh, you know, people think it's your athletic ability, and it's really your mental toughness to handle these things that are going on that most people don't see because they only judge us based off what we do on the field, but they don't understand what's happening off the field. They don't understand what's happening in the locker room. And so what I took from that, which was a, hopefully a, a big, big lesson for the guys that are playing or people who inspire the play or even some fans to kind of wake them up that, you know, there's guys are going through stuff too. We're human. We have life going on too. And then on top of that, because of our job is so public, that, that, that some of the things that are going on really, really affect us, you know, at the core, kind of, because it, cause it really, to me, it really, it, it touched his heart. And, and, you know, for me being a friend of his, you know, that was, that was, it was hard to hear, but it was truth. And I really like that. <clears throat> yeah, Demarius, it seems like he's a guy that always takes things to heart. He always has been. What has kind of been your relationship with him over the last several years? And uh, what kind of guy he is as far as, you know, just dealing with, a lot of stuff on and off the field as well with the stuff with his family. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I told his, I tell him all the time, and hopefully somebody does it. Uh, his life is a movie, man. To go through what he went through with his with his mom and his grandmother, and, and to get to the point where he has gotten in nine years in the NFL, being one of the top producers in the league for a long time, that mental toll most people wouldn't be able to handle. And then on top of that, you know, being a, a nine year veteran in the league and and going through, basically seeing him lose his job. Because that's pretty much what he did. He lost his job with the Broncos. Of course, he went and got a job with a, a potential playoff, deep in the playoff potential team, which, which at the same time could be good. But, you know, that for me, uh, even when he got his, you know, when he redid his contract and he got a new contract, and I told him, I said, they don't just pay you to catch football. They pay you to lead. And, and leading um, is, is, a, is slightly different. You're just going out there doing your job. But one thing is, and I think he said it in the interview, his style of leading to me seems different than what probably what they expected. You know, everybody's not a rah-rah guy. Everybody's not a get-in-your-face guy. Some guys do it behind the scenes. And I really, I really, what I really appreciate him saying was he was trying to take these young guys and teach him stuff that I taught him, which people like Steve Atwater, Ray Crockett, Don Elway, Shannon Sharp, uh, they taught me. You know what I'm saying? Just how to be a pro, these types of things. They passed it to me. I passed it to him, and he was passing it to these other guys. And that, that if you look, listen to the interview, that really bothered him. He said, I'm, I got these young guys who are raw, like I was when I came, and here's somebody giving me information that can help me have a long career, not just a productive one or two years. And so, um, you know, that, that thing is, 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 is really watching him over the years just kind of grow into the business and, 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 and really, you know, making a huge name for himself with, with professional football. Right, you know, as when we play sports, man, we we learn all types of lessons, uh, lessons of, you know, how to play, how to handle yourself on and off the field. For you though, what would you think? What would you say is the biggest life lesson that you learned while you were playing football, whether it was in high school, college, in NFL, little league, wherever? That's that has affected you the most in your post NFL uh, days. You know what, man? I, it's crazy. I was having this conversation last night with something. It's, it's one thing I love about sports is there's no place for racism in sports. There's no place for division in sports, in team sports. There's no place for it. it, it you can't win 
if you have those types of things. And so, especially with the climate that we have right now in America, you know, it's really crazy and there's a lot of division and everybody got this group and that group. And we just had another freaking shooting yesterday. It's like right. so much craziness is going on. But when you deal in team sports, that guy on the other side of the locker room is very vital to your success in that sport. And for me, it's, it's honestly, it's always, I, I tell you, I'll sum it up with one thing. Sports has always been my escape. Sports was a place that I could go, even though I grew up in the projects, they didn't judge me based off my income or what we didn't have. They judged me based off of my ability to get, do better with my team and go out there and compete at the highest level. Even in Little League, it was the highest level of Little League or highest level of college or whatever it was. No one, you don't get to bring all this extra stuff to the football field. You don't get to bring this extra stuff to the basketball court. You don't, your, your social status doesn't matter in the sports uh, on the field or on in the court or on the tennis court or whatever it is. And sports for me, I got so many friends in my life and people in my life like you as well, you know, people that I would call family because I play sports. Yeah. Chatting with uh, Broncos Ring of Famer Rod Smith here, first and 10 at 10, orange and blue, 760. I want to shift to uh, Cortland Sutton here for a moment. What have you noticed about him? What do you think he needs to do in the uh, – the last seven games of this season to sort of sort of take another step forward. Uh, you know what? I, I, I kind of reserve saying what I really, really, really want to say. Corlin Sutton is super talented. I, I believe he's super talented. Honestly, I believe his skills can be enhanced and there's a difference between talent and skills. Skills is when you take that talent and you put it into the form that you need to be more productive. You know, the way he runs routes and things like this, I, I personally believe it could be polished up, you know, because he's got the physical tools. He's got the mental fortitude. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's a physical guy. I mean, all that stuff. But it's like, it's kind of like a, a, a clay when you come to a potter. You know, it just starts off as raw clay, and he makes it into this beautiful vase or vase or whatever you call it. But he <laughs> makes it into that because of his skill. He's got experience. And see, Corlin doesn't have a lot of experience at the NFL level. And mm-hmm. being around a guy like Emmanuel Sanders and his coaches and stuff like that, I just can see a lot of, lot of things that can get cleaned up, you know, and, and it'll, it'll make him a bigger force uh, in this league. He'll be I – mean, I mean, honestly, the physical tools and talent, to me, is just so raw. And I'm like, oh, man, this dude could really be a dominant force, you know, in the game. What's his ceiling? I mean, you know what? There's no ceiling on anybody in this business, man. It's it just, you know, the ceiling to me is always opportunity. It's, the ceiling is opportunity. And, um, and that ceiling gets lower as they give you less opportunity. You know, I, that was something I expressed to Demarius. I said, man, you know what? I hated you getting traded because I like you as a person. I love your, what you stand for. But if they're not going to use you in the offense according to your skill, then you want to go somewhere else. I said, I know it sucks because you've been there for so long and we care about you, but you better off going somewhere else where they will say, hey, listen, we'll take that skill that this young man is developing, put it in our offense and put it on our team and use it this way. And so, um, you know, for Cortland, man, I'm telling you, the sky's the limit for that guy. And I, I think uh, that's what that's the hard part about coaching. That's the hard part about being, you know, in those front offices with those guys. I don't envy that position at all. It's very difficult to make some of these calls. But at the same time, when you have these, these guys and these different moving parts, the coach's job is to sit there and study tape this whole entire bye week. They're not taking days off. They're working off trying to find a way to get this guy in this position where they know he can win. And, you know, Cortland, for that, he'll be that guy that they'll be putting in position for him to win. All right. What, what, is, what does the team need to do 
over this bye week and leading up to uh, this next game here against the Chargers to come back with the right mindset to be able to make a run here in the last seven games of the season? You know what, man? Uh, getting away is, is it can be a good thing. You know, just go away. Guys, please don't do nothing stupid. I'm just going to call it like it is. <laughs> right. Steve <laughs> knows. We had a bye week conversation. I'm sure they had it. Every bye week, somebody comes back and did something stupid. Don't do nothing stupid. Go relax. Go focus on your craft. You know, you don't have to go and work out, so to speak. You know, get the hot tub, cold tub. Some, some of you guys who are injured, go get yourself healthy. Um but but the one thing back, man, is, is is I just believe in energy, man. I just believe in fixing the energy. The energy is off somehow, some way. One thing that I've seen over the last few weeks, we have way too many penalties at the wrong time. Guys need to understand that the, the, their role, don't try to be a hero. Do your job and, 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 and trust and know and believe that the other 10 guys are doing their job and you'll come out on top, man. We have, we have penalties at the, I mean, horrible times. You're completely away from the ball, and you'll get a you'll get a penalty on defense. You know you're completely away from the ball on offense. We have a big play. You have no effect on the play. We have a big play on offense, and it comes back. It happened several times against Kansas City. It happened last week, and those things are killing us, man. I've never seen us be so penalized as we are, you know, right now as a group. And and those types of things you can fix because that's mental. That's the the guy. That's the player. That ain't coaching. That's the player you know, just really focusing on his job and getting it done. Chatting with Broncos Ring of Famer Rod Smith here, first and 10 at 10, orange and blue 760. Just a couple more questions here for you, Rod. I want to ask you about Case Keenum. We were going over some of the numbers from Case earlier today, talking about 40-plus attempts and comparing him to last year over the course of his career. And and more than anything, I'm kind of getting a vibe from the players. They really appreciate his leadership. It's obviously a big jump from what they've had the last couple of years. But at the same time, uh, even though he had his first clean game this last week, the Broncos are still not able to get over the hump. What does Case need to do, in your opinion? What does the offense need to do in the second half to get over the hump? You know what? Um, he, he don't have to play outside of himself. It's just a matter of it's, it's a matter of the, the timing and the energy of the game on offense, especially, is dictated by the quarterback. One thing I like about this is one thing I've seen as I'm a spectator. I'm just real close to the game as a spectator. But this is one thing I've seen, and hopefully they adopt. When they are in a hurry up, but not in a hurry, he's better. If you look at the times when we were down and we had to make plays, Case made plays. We we really were in a rhythm. And they don't play like that all the time. In the middle of the game, the first three quarters, it's like, okay, we get in and out of huddle when we want. You know, it's a little slow pace. But I believe in picking up the pace. If you look at the numbers for me, uh, as an outsider, when I see Case picking up the pace, the, the game is better because these guys now, they get to use their athletic ability. They're not doing a whole bunch of thinking. And, and I've seen him when he – think about it. We were down against the Rams. We needed to score. Goes down and what do you do? We score. But that's rhythm, and, and the quarterback, is, to me, is in control of the rhythm. The coaches have to get the calls into him in time, but the quarterback's in control of the rhythm, in and out of the huddle, how guys are bouncing around. You know what? Hey, after we score this touchdown, you can go catch a breath. If defense gets the ball back, we're going to do it again. We're almost playing hurry-up offense because we're in a desperate situation as a football team right now, and these last seven games have to, are crucial. Every last one of them playing a great Chargers team, who we haven't even played this year. We play them twice in this next you know, few weeks. So we're going to have to be on top of our game that we really want to salvage this season, man, and give ourselves a chance to get into the playoffs. Can they have that sort of quick offensive pace? You mentioned 
even with the injuries up front and the offensive line basically having to get younger with the loss of Ron Leary and Matt Paradis? You, you know what? That's what these guys are waiting for, man. These guys are waiting for opportunity. See, Steve taught me this. Don taught me this back in the day. You just We always say you're one player away from being a starter. Those guys who are backups, are, remember, they're in the NFL, dude. This is not high school. This is not where you have a big variance in, in skill in high school. Even in some colleges, I went to a Division II school, there was a big variance in, in talent. In the NFL, there's a small variance in talent. You know, uh, you know. Of course, losing you know our center that hurt. It hurt a lot. But honestly, the guy comes in, he does a great job. I mean, that's what you know. What he's been waiting on the opportunity. Now he's got a whole week to prepare himself mentally, physically, and go out there and get it done. So you can't judge your offense based off those parts. There's going to be 11 guys out there, and we expect those 11 guys to do their job. Just do your job and do it the best you can, and I believe we'll be fine. Rod, man, you you played this game at such a high level. In your opinion, can you sh- can you share with us three traits of quarterbacks that you think are most important to lead a team and to guide a team to success? Three traits? Yes. Well, you know what? For, for one, the first one is the energy, man. Uh, it's a, it's an energy, and that energy it comes with confidence, and th- that's the first thing. That that quarterback has to have confidence and believe that everything is going to go right. And the guys feed off of that. You see how guys you, – you, you hear it all the time how guys say so-and-so as this when, – when guys are with this quarterback, they play different. See, to me, that's, that's wrong on the other player's part. You should play the same regardless of the quarterback, but the quarterback for some reason makes a big difference. And the confidence in that quarterback – you know, when you were in the huddle with John Elway, you had no choice but to raise your game, so to speak. I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't. I had one level. That was it. Whoever was that quarterback was given yeah. that level. And that's where right. the guys have to think. You know, having that confidence that you're going to put us in the right position, that's, that's the, the first thing. One other thing that I think a quarterback needs to do, Case is a guy who can be mobile. I never see Case run the football. I never see it. That, to me, is a, that's a flaw. I think if he – when they have us covered, fine. Good. Go get three. Go right. get three yards on the ground. Go! I promise you, it changes defense when the quarterback scrambles for three because that's a good running play in the NFL. Guys, you can run for three and a half yards a play. Guys are gonna, guys are gonna. The defense has to now be aware of the quarterback, which takes people out of their lane. And the, the third thing that that I would want to see, I would want to see more controlled. And when I say controlled, controlled deep balls, the the, the go route, the the play. We got such a good running game. But the play action deep ball, especially with one on one with Emmanuel, Cortland, uh, Patrick, you know, I, I I believe we're a better team with the fifty fifty ball. And I, I would like to see that ball up in the air more, not just because I'm a receiver, because it pulls it pushes the defense back. And when you push the defense back now when, when Lindsey get through and Freeman get through the line. The guy who's tackling now is a few more yards deeper, which makes these smaller plays become bigger plays. So, for me, you know, those are some of the, the three things that I would really like to see coming from that quarterback position. I think it really, really helps. us. Awesome stuff from Rod Smith, as always. Now moving on to the present Broncos. Andy and I talked, of course, about what we expect to see in the next seven games. One guy who was very optimistic, Domata Pecco. Your starting nose tackle for the Denver Broncos, who sees the Broncos running the table. He's optimistic about it. He tells us why he sees that 
in a conversation that we had on Orange and Blue 760 before the players scattered for the bye. We're going to now head into the locker room and bring on defensive lineman, nose tackle, Domita Pecco. Domita, you're on with Ryan Edwards, Andrew Mason, and Steve Atwater. How are you, man? Mr. Pecco, what's up, baby? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? We're doing good, great, good, man. Good. Uh, you get you getting fired up, getting a little bit of a uh, break time here. What are you going to be up to? Oh yeah, man. Uh, good bye week right now. You know, we just had a nice little practice, our last one for the week, and uh, I'm gonna head to California, man. Go visit some family and and uh, hang out, brother. Get off oh, my feet, kind of, relax. Nice. What kind of, of momentum are you hoping the team builds when it comes back from the bye next week? Man, I just want to win, brother. You know what I mean? That's all we want. Everyone's just trying to win games here, and. Uh, it was a heartbreaker last week, you know. Uh, we fought our way back in it, you know, to, to and put ourselves in a winning situation there at the end. But uh, uh, that's just the way the the ball bounced uh, that day. But um, I feel like defensively, though, man, we're we're, uh, we're making strides. We're getting better as far as a run game too. We had those those three games where it was real tough on us and uh, where we we had made a lot of mistakes and missed tackles. But uh, the past three weeks, man, run games been real stout, and uh, so I'm um, looking forward to that, and that, that encourages me for the rest of the year just to continue to get better as a defense. Yeah, Domitz, I was going to ask you about that. The first three games of the season, we gave up less than 100 yards a game, and then we gave up 142 to KC, and then those two games were really the only two games where it just got out of control. What did yeah. you guys do to correct those, you know, to correct those areas and get back on track? Yeah, man, the, the first one against KC was uh, was just some missed tackles. You know, uh, he had like a 50-yard run where it should have been just like a three-yard gain. We had two dudes miss him in the hole there, and uh, and that's the kind of back that, you know, that Kansas City has there, one of the best in the Kareem Hunt. But then the other two games, man, against New York, and, uh, man, that was, we were just in bad situations, man. We, we were in uh, a lot of dime and nickel trying to defend the pass, and they took advantage of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, we made we made the corrections. We looked ourselves in the mirror, and uh, we just got back to the basics, man. That's uh, hitting people in the mouth and just changing the line of scrimmage, and uh, and owning our gaps, man, and owning our job. And that's what we're doing, man. We just got a coach said it best. He said, "Hey, man, what what can we do to get better?" He said, "What can you do is just own your job. Do it. Do your best you can do at your job. And if we do that collectively, man, we'll win some games here." I heard Todd Davis yesterday on the air talking about accountability and on the defensive side of the ball. You guys, that that seems to be a word that uh, that I've I've heard a lot from you guys it what else is it going to take for this team to get over the hump and start winning some of these closer games in your opinion yeah man i think it's just at crucial times in the game you know not beating ourselves because after this past game i felt like I, I didn't feel like the texans beat us i feel like we beat ourselves man you know going into halftime and uh missing that kick and then giving them an easy three there i think that's the difference in the game right there and that's something that we kind of beat ourselves on right but uh, I think going into the uh, in the future here and going into the next games, man, if we just continue to play how we've been playing, and that's with a lot of fire, a lot of energy, and then at those cru crucial situations, man, just making plays, man, having our playmakers, the guys that make the big bucks, man, you know, having them make plays at those crucial times, man, that, that'll be huge for us. Getting some, some good performance from some of the younger players, Bradley Chubb in particular, what has he brought not only in terms of performance, but also, like you said, fire and energy on that defense. Oh, man, I love when he rides that motorcycle, man, after the, after every sack. <laughs> that shit gets me wise, man. And all my, even my kids, my, all my kids and family are doing that dance now. But, yeah, I'm really impressed with, with Chubb. 
<laughs> Bradley Chubb, man, one of the you know best rookies, and uh, man, hopefully he's rookie of the year, man. If he keeps this up, keep getting sacks and just being disruptive as as he is. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to my man Pitbull, man. He's Lindsey, man, Philip Lindsey, bro. He's a yeah. he's an animal. He's a beast, and he's a difference maker. Him and Rolls Royce, man, uh, can't ask for a better rookie class. And you add 14 in the mix there, man, real good shape with the rookies this year. Yeah, now, um, how you feel about uh, the, the secondary back there? I know uh, uh, Bradley Roby, he, he was injured this last game, but I thought that uh, both Adam Jones and Tremaine Brock stepped up along with Chris Harris, his normal good yeah. play back there. Um, you know, are you guys proud of that secondary the way they've been playing? Yeah, brother. I am, man. I'm I'm really excited about the secondary now, you know, with the when you have the veterans back there with, with Pac Man and, and, and Brock and then you you know with Chris Harris, man, it seems like they're communicating really well. And then uh you add in a guy like Sua Cravens, man, he's a difference maker, brother. You know, yeah. so uh that's the guy we really needed, you know, early in the season I felt like, because he's like a X Factor type dude. It's someone you can that you can put on those good tight ends. And you can lock him on a tight end and just, you know, shut them down. So definitely happy with our, you know, with, with the way our, our back end has played uh, this, this past week. And, uh, and the future's looking bright, man. We just got to keep balling, keep on, uh, you know, pressing on and, and looking forward and, and just try to get these wins, man. I'm, I'm trying to get to 10 and 6, man. But it all starts mm-hmm. with getting, you know, getting to 4 and 6. Yep. There it is. Love your positivity as always, Don Todd. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, man. Keep Thank leading, cool. man. Keep leading, baby. Yes, sir, man. I love you guys, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Broncos country, and much love, guys. Thanks to Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, Domata Pecco, Rod Smith, Andy Lindahl. For all of them, I'm Andrew Mason. Have a great bye weekend. We'll talk to you next week in Horsing Around and in the Broncos Audio Zone. This has been another edition of Horsing Around. With Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horse and Around.